بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the torture of the early Muslims and how the Quraysh tortured them physically and psychologically to such an extent that some of them were actually killed and others were left in a very, very tormented state. And this went on for some time. And those Muslims, they were patient upon the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were patient with the torment that they had to go through at the hands of the Quraysh because they knew that the reward with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was something that was far greater. So they bore those difficulties. But it reached such an extent. It reached such an extent that had crossed all boundaries and all limits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finally gave permission for the companions to escape from this persecution and make hijrah. They were given permission to leave Mecca, to leave the torture of those oppressors and to migrate to a land where they could practice their religion freely and openly and in peace without fear of being harmed and without fear of being tormented or tortured. So the Prophet ﷺ told his companions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the permission for you to make hijrah and then he told them where to go. He told them where to go. He said, اذهبوا إلى الحبشة فإن فيها ملكا لا يظلم عنده أحد and this is a very profound statement that the Prophet ﷺ made and we can gain many lessons from this statement. اذهبوا إلى الحبشة The Prophet ﷺ is telling his companions to go to Al-Habasha which is what we know today as Ethiopia. Go from Mecca to Africa. They're not Arabs. They are not from the tribes of the Arabian Peninsula. He didn't tell them to go to some other Arab land. He told them to go to Al-Habasha. He told them to go to Africa. And this may seem at first glance to someone who doesn't know. It may seem like a strange choice. Why would the Prophet ﷺ tell his companions who are Arabs to migrate to a land where the people are not Arabs and they are not Muslims either. The people of Habasha were Christians. But the Prophet ﷺ gave his reasoning in the same statement. اذهبوا إلى الحبشة Go to Habasha. فَإِنَّ فِيهَا مَلِكًا Because it has a king. That land has a king. لَا يُظْلَمُ عِنْدَهُ And that king does not oppress anyone. He is a man of justice. Even though he was a Christian, he was a man of justice. He didn't use to oppress anyone. لَا يُظْلَمُ عِنْدَهُ No one is oppressed in his presence. No one is dealt with unjustly under his watch. And this was the reason that the Prophet ﷺ instructed those companions to make their migration to Al-Habasha. Because he knew, because of that king who was a man of justice, that his companions could go there and they could practice Islam openly without fear. And if anyone tried to harass them, if anyone tried to bother them, if anyone tried to harm them in any way, the Prophet ﷺ knew that that king, that he would not stand for it. And he would make sure that the migrants, the people who have immigrated to his land, are dealt with with justice. So the Prophet ﷺ commanded his companions who wanted to make hijrah to go to Al-Habasha. And 
when the Prophet وسلم, gave this permission for his companions to go, some of the companions decided to go and some of them decided to remain in Mecca and stay patient. So this first group of migrants, this first group of people who made Hijrah from Mecca to Al-Habasha, it was a small group. It was a group of only 12 people. And the first of them to make that migration were Uthman ibn Affan an, and his wife Ruqiyah bint Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uthman ibn Affan an, and his wife, the daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ruqiyah bint Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they made that migration. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَوَّلُ مَنْ هَاجَرَ إِلَى اللَّهِ بَعْدَ لُوطِ عُثْمَان أَوَّلُ مَنْ هَاجَرَ إِلَى اللَّهِ بَعْدَ لُوطِ عُثْمَان The first person who made hijrah to Allah after Lut alayhi salam was Uthman radiallahu anhu And when did Lut make hijrah? Lut alayhi salam That was during the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam more than 3,000 years earlier when Lut believed in Ibrahim and he made hijrah from what is now known as modern day Iraq to Asham. So the Prophet said that the first person who made hijrah to Allah after Lut was Uthman. So Uthman has this special characteristic and this special blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be the first muhajir in Islam. He was the first muhajir. He was the first person who made hijrah in Islam. And as we said, it was a small group of people who made this first hijrah to Al-Habasha, a group of 12 people, including Uthman radiallahu and Ruqayya radiallahu anha, also Abu Hudayfa, also Zubair ibn al-Awwam, also Mus'ab ibn Umair, also Abu Salama and his wife Umm Salama, also Uthman ibn Mad'un, so this small group of people, they decided to leave Mecca and go to Al-Habasha where they could practice Islam freely without fear of being harmed. One thing that a lot of people don't know about this first hijrah to Al-Habasha is that Abu Bakr also was one of those who left Mecca to go to Al-Habasha, but he never completed the journey. He was one of them who had the intention to make the hijrah from Mecca to Al-Habasha. But he never reached Al-Habasha. And why didn't he reach Al-Habasha? On his way, when he left Mecca and he was on his way toward Al-Habasha, he met with the leader of a tribe called Ahabish. And this was one of the Arab tribes and they had some alliances and some dealings with the Quraysh. So they knew the Quraysh and they knew the people of the Quraysh. So when Abu Bakr عنه, on his way to Al-Habasha, he passed by this tribe and the leader of this tribe, and he was a very powerful man, the leader of this tribe. He was a man named Ibn Dughunna. Ibn Dughunna. And Ibn Dughunna, when he saw Abu Bakr going in that direction, he asked Abu Bakr where are you going? And Abu Bakr told him, I'm going to Al-Habasha. And Ibn Dughunna was surprised. He said, why are you going to Al-Habasha? What do you have over there? And Abu Bakr explained the whole situation. He explained that he and a group of others had accepted the messenger of Allah, Muhammad وسلم, and because of that, the Quraysh were harming them and the Quraysh were trying by all means to make difficulty in the lives of the people who had accepted Al-Islam. Ibn Dughunna, he said, no, but they can't deal with you in that type of a way. You are a respectable person from the tribe of the Quraysh. And you are a person who is known for his integrity and for his help of the Masakeen. You're always helping people who are in difficult situations. You are known as a man 
who is honorable and respectable. How can your tribe treat you like this? This is unacceptable. You should go back. And then Abu Bakr said, yeah, but if I go back, you know what's going to happen, you know? They're going to continue to try to harm me. They may even kill me. And then Ibn Dughunna, as we mentioned, he was the head of his tribe. He was a very powerful man. And his tribe had dealings with the Quraysh. So he said, don't worry. I will go with you back to Mecca. And I personally guarantee your protection. I will protect you. You go back to Mecca, I will come back with you to Mecca and I will openly declare and announce that you are under my protection. And the Quraysh won't dare touch you if they know that you are under my protection because they know if, if that happens, if they harm someone who is under my protection, then it's going to be a war between the Quraysh and my tribe and they don't want that. So come, come with me to Mecca, we'll take care of this. I got your back. So Abu Bakr said, okay, let's go. They went back to Mecca. And Ibn Dughunna, he went to the Kaaba and he announced to the Quraysh, I hereby declare that Abu Bakr is under my personal protection. So the Quraysh, they respected that. And they knew that they could not harm Abu Bakr while he was under the protection of this tribal leader. So the next day, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, now he's back in Mecca, and Ibn Dughunna is still there in Mecca as well. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he goes to the Kaaba and he starts reading the Quran. He starts reciting the Quran publicly, loudly. And the Quraysh, they can't touch him, they can't do anything to him because he is under the protection of Ibn Dughunna. So they think, what should we do? I mean, we can't have him reading the Quran publicly like this in front of the Kaaba. So they decide to go to Ibn Dughunna and tell him that you have to stop him from doing this publicly. You have to stop Abu Bakr from openly publicizing his religion and reciting the Quran. Because yes, we understand that he's under your protection and we're not going to harm him, but still, he can't go around doing this type of stuff. He's reading the Quran and in the Quran, the Quran talks about our idols and that the Quran talks about our forefathers and our religion in a way that we don't like. So you have to stop him from doing this. Ibn Dughunna agreed with them. And he went to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. He said, look, I gave you my protection, but your religion is something that is personal for you. Don't go around publicly talking about your religion and reading the Quran. And then Abu Bakr said, but you gave me protection and you didn't put any conditions on that protection. You said that we can come back to Mecca and you would protect me. You didn't place any type of conditions upon me for that. You didn't say that I can't openly speak about my religion or openly read the Quran. And then Ibn Dughunna said, well, now I'm putting that condition on you. And then Abu Bakr said, if that's going to be your condition, then I don't need your protection. I don't need your protection. You can take your protection away from me. I don't need it. And then Ibn Dughunna said, okay, if that's what you want, I want you to go in front of the Kaaba and openly declare to the Quraysh that you release yourself from the protection of Ibn Dughunna. Abu Bakr said, okay, no problem, I'll do it. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he announced to the Quraysh, I hereby officially release myself from the protection of Ibn Dughunna, he is not in charge of me anymore and he is not protecting me anymore. So Abu Bakr an, he lost the protection of Ibn Dughunna, but he didn't care because he still had the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is protecting someone, nobody can harm that person. And Abu Bakr an, was not willing to hide his religion just to keep the protection of this man. Rather, he wanted to openly read the Quran and openly publicize his religion and continue helping the Prophet ﷺ with his da'wah. So he lost the protection of Ibn Dughunna, but he decided to stay in Mecca anyways. He decided to stay in Mecca anyways, and he changed his mind about continuing and going to Al-Habasha. He decided to stay in Mecca with Rasulullah ﷺ. From the people who made the original hijrah to Al-Habasha, 
was a woman named Umm Abdullah and her son Abdullah. So it was a mother and son who had both accepted Islam and to escape the torture and the persecution of the Quraysh, they decided to make the Hijrah to Al-Habasha. Now the thing is that the Quraysh, they didn't want anyone to leave. They wanted the Muslims to stay in Mecca so they can remain under their watch so they could torture them and persecute them and, and disturb them in any way that they could. So they didn't want people leaving Mecca. So these people who were making the Hijrah to Al-Habasha, they were going secretly without informing the Quraysh. So when Umm Abdullah and her son Abdullah decided to make the Hijrah, they decided to leave separately and taking different paths because if they're going together, then there may be some suspicion. Okay, both the mother and the son are going somewhere. This is suspicious. But if they were going one by one, if Abdullah was going, nobody would think he's trying to leave Mecca because his mother is there. And if people see the mother going, they were like, no, she's not going to leave Mecca by herself. Her son is in Mecca. So they decided not to go together. They decided to go separately and meet behind one of the mountains of Mecca and then continue their journey together. So they're going to leave at separate times, taking a separate path, but they had agreed to meet behind a certain mountain. And when they meet at that mountain, they would continue on their way to Al-Habasha together. So Abdullah, the son, he is the one who carried all of the supplies, the food, the provisions, whatever they needed for the journey. And he went on his way up to the point where he reached the meeting place behind the mountain. And Umm Abdullah, she left as well from the other side. And when she got close to the meeting point, she ran into none other than Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu she ran into Umar ibn al-Khattab and she got scared. And Umar ibn al-Khattab asked, Ila ayn ya Um Abdullah, where are you going? Oh Um Abdullah, where are you going? And then she was honest with him. She said, look, you guys have tortured us so much. We didn't do anything to you and you're torturing us. At least just let us leave. Let us leave. We're not going to harm you. We're not going to hurt you. We just want to leave. Can't you just let us go? What harm will it do to you if you just let us leave this place so we can live in peace? And Umar ibn al-Khattab listening to this woman say this, he actually understood it and he actually realized that, yeah, that this makes sense. What is this woman going to do? You know, she can't start a war she can't cause us any type of harm why don't i just let her go what what's the harm so he understood that and he agreed with her and he said idhan al-furqa ya um abdullah okay so i guess this is goodbye ya um abdullah and then he said ma'akillah ya um abdullah may allah be with you ya um abdullah so um abdullah was actually surprised she was actually surprised that he was letting her go. Not only was he letting her go, but he said, Ma'akillah, may Allah be with you. So she was surprised at this, but she was happy and she left. And she went behind the mountain where she met up with her son, Abdullah. Abdullah asked his mother, did anyone see you? On your way here, did anyone see you? She said, nobody saw me except Umar ibn al-Khattab. And then Abdullah said, Umar ibn al-Khattab, he saw you and he let you go. And she said, not only did he let me go, when he was letting me go, he said, Ya Umm Abdullah, ma'akillah. Oh, oh, mother of Abdullah, may Allah be with you. And then Abdullah was surprised. Umar ibn al-Khattab said that to you? The same Umar ibn al-Khattab? The one that tortures the weak from the Muslims? And she said, yes. And then he said, maybe you were thinking, maybe you had some hope that Umar would become a Muslim. And Umm Abdullah said to her son, yes, that thought crossed my mind and I hope that he does become a Muslim. And then Abdullah said, Wallahi, this will never happen. He is one of the staunchest enemies of Islam and he will not accept Islam 
until his own donkey says the shahadatain. If his, if his donkey says, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah, then Umar ibn al Khattab, he will say, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah. But there's no way that such a person can ever become a Muslim. And this was a mistake that Abdullah made such a statement. And we should learn from this that even the worst enemies of Islam, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to guide a person, He will guide that person. Allah is muqallib al-qulub. He is the one who flips the hearts. A person who was on misguidance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can flip that person's heart and make him from the most guided of people. And we have to be careful because the other way can also be true. A person who is upon guidance, if Allah wills, this person's heart can be flipped and he can lose that guidance. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us thabat and firmness upon the guidance that he gives. So this was the conversation between Umm Abdullah and her son Abdullah about Umar ibn al-Khattab and then they continued on their way to Al-Habasha. Now Umar ibn al-Khattab, after having this conversation with Umm Abdullah, he started to think. He said, look what has happened to the Quraysh. The Quraysh were such a united tribe. And now we have people secretly trying to leave, going here and there. So many problems now, when before everyone was so united. This is so sad that our tribe has become like this. Who is at fault? Who is the cause of all of this? And he said to himself, the cause of all of these problems is Muhammad. If it weren't for him, our tribe would still be together. We would still be united. But he is the one who caused this disunity amongst us. So Umar ibn al-Khattab who was at that time still a staunch enemy of Islam, he made up his mind to go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and assassinate him. He made up his mind that he will find Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and kill him with his sword. So he got his sword ready and he started walking to find Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. As he was on his way, as he was on his way, a man named Naim ibn Abdullah and Naim ibn Abdullah was a companion of the Prophet and he was one of those companions who had accepted Islam but up to this point he had kept his Islam secret. There were some of the Sahaba who openly announced their Islam and there were some of them because of the persecution and the torture they decided to keep their Islam secret and they didn't announce that they were Muslims. So Naim ibn Abdullah he was one of the secret Muslims. So when Umar ibn al-Khattab when he was walking on his way to find Rasulullah to kill him with his sword, he passed by Naim ibn Abdullah. And Naim ibn Abdullah, when he saw Umar ibn al-Khattab, he saw that look of anger and determination in his face. He said, okay, He's thinking something. He has some type of intention to do something very serious. So he went and he asked him, Ila ain, Ya Ibn al-Khattab, where are you going? O son of al-Khattab, where are you going, Ya Umar? And then he said, I am going to Muhammad. I'm going to find Muhammad. And then Naim said, why? What do you want with Muhammad? He said, I am going to kill Muhammad. He is the one who has caused so much problems in our society. I'm going to find him, I'm going to kill him with my sword. Then Naim said, you think you can just kill him like that? You think Bani Abdul Muttalib are just going to let you go and kill him? If you dare do that, they're all going to gather and they will kill you. His family will not allow this to happen. He is under the protection of Bani Abdul Muttalib. And then Umar ibn Khattab, he said, I don't care. I just want this problem to be over with. I will kill him and they will kill me and that's it. I don't care. Let, let them kill me. I just want to end this problem once and for all. So now Naeem, he became worried. He said, this man looks very serious. He looks very determined. He really wants to do what he's saying. So he thought, I need to warn Rasulullah. 
Naeem was thinking to himself, I need to warn the Prophet ﷺ. But how can I do it? He's already on his way there now. How can I stop this? How can I stall Umar so that I can warn Rasulullah that this is what Umar ibn al-Khattab is planning to do? So he needed to think, think quickly. He needed to think of a distraction so that he could delay Umar ibn al-Khattab from going to the Prophet so that he would have enough time to warn the Prophet about what was going to happen. So he thought very quickly and he said, why don't you start with your own family first? Instead of going to kill Muhammad you should start with your own family first, don't you think? And then Umar was surprised. He said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about my own family? He said, don't you know your own sister Fatima bint al-Khattab that she has become a Muslim too? And Umar was surprised. He didn't know that anyone in his family had become Muslim. And Naeem said, yeah, she became a Muslim. And the reason why he said this, why he told Umar this, was not to bring any harm to Fatima bint al-Khattab, of course not. But he had to think quickly to distract Umar ibn al-Khattab so he could go and warn the Prophet of what Umar was planning to do. So Umar said, oh, my own sister, she became a Muslim? He said, yes, you're right, I should start with her first. And then he went towards the direction of the house of his sister. And Naeem ibn Abdullah, he went to Darul Arqam, where the Prophet used to teach his companions the Quran, the secret place where they used to gather secretly to learn the religion from the Prophet So now Umar bin al-Khattab, he went to the house of his sister. Now you need to get an idea about the physical stature of Umar ibn al-Khattab. Umar, Umar ibn al-Khattab was a very big, strong man. He was so tall that when he would sit on a horse, his feet would touch the ground. Imagine that. When you sit on a horse, do your feet touch the ground? No, your feet are hanging in the air. Umar ibn al-Khattab, when he would sit on a horse, his feet would touch the ground. That's how big he was. And when someone would see him, they would feel very intimidated just by seeing him. So he was very strong physically and he was very strong in sense of his speech as well. So people were scared of him. They used to get intimidated by him. So Umar ibn al-Khattab he went to the house of his sister Fatima bint al-Khattab and her husband her husband was Saeed ibn Zayd and Saeed ibn Zayd is one of the ten companions who has been promised who had been promised Jannah by the Prophet during his lifetime. Saeed ibn Zayd ibn Amr ibn Nufail and we spoke earlier about Zayd ibn Amr ibn Nufail if you remember he was one of those people who even before Islam he realized that the the religion of shirk and idol worship was all nonsense and he he practiced the religion of Tawheed. He worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And his son, Sa'id ibn Zayd, he is one of the companions of the Prophet wasallam, one of those ten special companions who was promised Jannah. And this was the husband of Fatima bint al-Khattab, the husband of the sister of Umar ibn al-Khattab. So Umar's brother-in-law, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. So Umar ibn al-Khattab, he goes to the house of Sa'id ibn Zayd, and his sister Fatima bint al-Khattab and before he knocks on the door he just listens at the door he listens at the door and he hears some type of humming sound like someone is reading something you know if you if you listen to someone reciting Quran from a distance or from behind the door you won't be able to hear the words clearly but you will hear some type of humming sound like someone is reading something but you can't make out what it is so he heard that sound someone is reading something then he knocked on the door very loudly. He knocked on the door and they asked, who is it? Who is it? And then he said, Umar, it's Umar. Then they got scared. So who was there in the house? It was Saeed bin Zaid and Fatima bint al-Khattab and Khabbab 
Ibn al-Arat, Khabbab ibn ibn al-Arat, he was teaching them the Quran. Khabbab ibn al-Arat was teaching Sa'id and Fatima the Quran. And the Prophet ﷺ had set up these small groups of people who would who would meet in secret places so that they could study the Quran. And this was one of those small groups. Khabbab ibn al-Arat was the teacher, and he was teaching Sa'id ibn Zayd and Fatima bint al-Khattab the Quran. So when Umar announced who he was, he said, "It's Umar." The first thing that they did was they they hid Khabbab ibn al-Arat in a concealed portion of the home. They hid Khabbab ibn al-Arat in a part of the home that was concealed. And then Umar ibn al-Khattab came in. They opened the door and Umar ibn al-Khattab came in. And he asked them, what did I hear? What were you reading? I heard you reading something. They said, what are you talking about? I heard you reading something. And then he turned to Sa'id ibn Zayd, his brother-in-law, the husband of his sister. He turned to Sa'id ibn Zayd and said, did you apostate from the religion of your forefathers? And then Sa'id ibn Zayd said to him, I have become a Muslim. I have accepted Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He said it bravely. Even though Umar ibn al-Khattab, as we said, a big man, scary people used to get intimidated by him. But Sa'id ibn Zayd said it openly. I have become a Muslim and I have accepted Muhammad as the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Umar ibn al-Khattab gave him one big hit on his face. And with that one strike, Sa'id fell to the ground with his mouth bleeding. And then Fatima bint al-Khattab, the sister of Umar radiallahu anh, she went to defend her husband. She went to break up this beating. And he hit her too. He hit his own sister. And he hit her in the mouth as well and she fell down as well. And they're both, both on the ground bleeding. And then Umar bin al-Khattab, he looks at this. And then he thinks to himself, well, what am I doing? That's my own sister. That's my brother-in-law. And I just hit them like that. They're bleeding on the ground. He felt some shame after seeing what he had done. And then he asked his sister, he asked Fatima, he said, can I see the piece of paper that you are reading from? And she said, this is the word of Allah that we were reading. I will not give it to you because you are unclean. I will only give it to you to read if you go and you purify yourself, you go take a bath and then I will let you see what we were reading. And now Umar ibn al-Khattab, he became very curious. He was like, what, what is this? That they won't even let me touch this piece of paper until I go and take a bath? It must be something extraordinary. He became very curious and he said to her, okay, okay, I'm going to go and take a bath and then please let me read what you were reading. She said, okay. And she had hope in her heart that he would read the words of Allah and it would affect him. So he went and he took a quick bath and he came back and he asked her, okay, can I read it now? She said, okay. She got the piece of paper and she gave it to him and then he started to read. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم طه ما أنزلنا عليك القرآن لتشقى إلا تذكرة لمن يخشى تنزيلا ممن خلق الأرض والسماوات العلا الرحمن على العرش استوى له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وما بينهما وما تحت الثرى وإن تجهر بالقول فإنه يعلم السر وأخفى الله لا إله إلا هو له الأسماء الحسنى وهل أتاك حديث موسى إذ رأى نارا فقال لأهلهم كثوا إني آنست نارا لعلي آتيكم منها بقبس أو أجد على النار هدى 
فلما أتاها نودي يا موسى إني أنا ربك فاخلعن عليك إنك بالوادي المقدس طوى وأنا اخترتك فاستمع لما يوحى إنني أنا الله لا إله إلا أنا فاعبدني فاعبدني وأقم الصلاة لذكري إن الساعة آتية أكاد أخفيها لتجزى كل نفس لتجزى كل نفس بما تسعى فلا يصدنك عنها من لا يؤمن بها واتبع هواه فتردى So Umar ibn al-Khattab he read these beautiful ayat from Surah Taha and he was a man who was an Arab who understood the Arabic language and he knew this is not from the speech of mankind. This can only be from Allah Rabbul Alameen. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that moment put Iman in the heart of Umar ibn al-Khattab So when he read this, he said, Dulluni ala Muhammad. Somebody show me the way to Muhammad. Take me to Muhammad. And now his intention was not to go and kill Muhammad anymore. His intention now was to go and take the shahada and express his belief in Muhammad. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changes the hearts. And this is how Umar ibn al-Khattab was affected by the Quran. And when Khabab ibn al-Arat, who was hiding this whole time, but he was hearing what's going on, now he came out of where he was concealed. And he said, I will take you to Muhammad, ya Umar, I will take you. And then he told Umar, Allah has answered the prayer of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in your favor. I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam making dua to Allah. Allahumma a'izzal islama bi'ahad al-umarayn. Umar ibn al-Khattab or Amr ibn Hisham. Oh Allah, strengthen Islam by one of the two Umars, whichever one you want. Either Umar ibn al-Khattab or Amr ibn Hisham. And Amr ibn Hisham was Abu Jahl. And both, both of them were very strong personalities. So the Prophet wanted a strong personality to come into Islam so that Islam through this person by the permission of Allah would be strengthened. Allahumma a'izz al-Islam bi'ahad al-Umarayn Umar ibn al-Khattab aw Amr ibn Hisham So Khabbab ibn al-Arat comes out of where he was hiding and he says I will take you to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Allah has answered the prayer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in your favor Ya Umar ibn al-Khattab So Khabbab ibn al-Arat and Fatima bint al-Khattab and Sa'id ibn Zaid all three of them, they accompany Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu to Darul Arqam, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was. And by this time, Naim ibn Abdullah, the one who met Umar ibn al-Khattab on the, on the way, he had warned the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam about the intentions of Umar. So they were ready, the Sahaba, they were ready. Okay, if he comes, you know, we have to protect the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So they were worried and they were ready for what they were expecting to happen. So now, Umar ibn al-Khattab he comes with Sa'id ibn Zayd and Fatima ibn al-Khattab and Khabbab ibn al-Arat and they come to Darul Arqab. And Umar ibn al-Khattab he knocks the door himself. So there were some, some openings in the door where they could see who was coming. So they looked to see who it was and they saw this is Umar ibn al-Khattab. So they said, it's Umar. Umar is here. And they don't know what happened. They don't know what happened at the house of Sa'id and Fatima. They don't know that Umar is coming here now to accept Islam. And Umar, he still had his sword with him. He didn't take off his sword. He still had the sword with him. So they thought, okay, he's here because he wants to kill Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So it happened to be that amongst those people who were in Darul Arqam on that day was Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib who had accepted Islam a bit earlier. And Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, he said, Ya Rasulullah, let me open the door. 
let me open the door and I will kill him with his own sword. I'm not even going to use my sword. I'll kill him with his own sword. This was the confidence of Hamza radiallahu anhu. And we mentioned Hamza was a hunter. He was very strong and he was very brave. He said, Ya Rasulullah, let me just answer that door. I'll kill him with his own sword. And the Prophet said, no, don't worry. Let him inside. Let him come inside. And the Sahaba, they were scared for the Prophet They wanted him to, they wanted the Prophet to go back. And they wanted to take care of this themselves. They feared for the life of the Prophet more than they feared for themselves. But the Prophet said, no, open the door and I will receive him myself. So they couldn't disobey the command of the Prophet even though they were very worried about what was going to happen. So they opened the door for Umar ibn al-Khattab. And the Prophet meets him face to face. Now the Prophet he was of a normal height. He wasn't very tall, but he wasn't short. He was of a normal height. But Umar ibn al-Khattab was very tall. So the Prophet comes face to face with him and he takes him and he shakes him. The Prophet shakes Umar ibn al-Khattab until Umar ibn al-Khattab actually falls down to the ground. And the Prophet said to him, Hasn't the time come for you, Ya son of Khattab, O son of Al-Khattab? Hasn't the time finally come for you now to accept Islam? And the Sahaba, they're surprised what's going on here. They're ready to act. If anything happens, they're ready to take care and defend the Prophet ﷺ. But instead, they witness something that they didn't expect. Then Umar ibn Khattab, he gets up. And with complete humility, he says, Ashhadu ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. And the Sahaba, they're just speechless. They're amazed. They, they thought he came to kill the Prophet, but instead he takes the Shahada. So they're so amazed and they're so happy at the same time that they erupt. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And they say it so loud, so loud that they forgot where they were. They were in Darul Arqam, which is supposed to be the secret house for the Muslims. But they're saying Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, so loud that it can be heard throughout Mecca. That's how loud they said it. They forgot they were in the secret location because they were so happy. And the Prophet ﷺ realized this. He was like, look, they said it so loud. The Quraysh, they can hear this and they can figure out, they can find our place. So the Prophet ﷺ, very intelligent and very quick thinking, he ordered everybody leave, disperse. And the Quraysh, they actually did hear the takbir. They heard the Allah Akbar and they came looking, where did that sound come from? But they were unable to find the place. They were unable to find the location. So now Umar ibn al-Khattab he's a Muslim and he's very proud to be a Muslim. What is the first thing he does? He goes to the house of Abu Jahl because he knows Abu Jahl is the biggest enemy of Islam. He goes to the house of Abu Jahl. He knocks the door. Abu Jahl opens the door. And Umar ibn Khattab says, Ya Abu al-Hakam, do you know the news? Did you hear the news? And Abu Jahl says, Marhaba, Ya Ibn al-Khattab. He, he doesn't know what has happened yet. So he says, Welcome, oh Umar. Welcome. What is the news? He said, I have become a Muslim. I have accepted Muhammad as the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa And Abu Jahl, he's very angry, very upset. He says, Tabbalak, may you perish. And he shuts the door in his face. So Umar ibn al-Khattab, he's satisfied with that. And then he goes to the Quraysh and he says, Who is the person of the Quraysh who can't keep a secret? Give me the name of the person from the Quraysh who if you tell him some type of a secret, he will make sure that it spreads to all of the people. You know, there are some people like that, right? If you tell them something, they'll make sure that it spreads like a fire to everybody. So Umar ibn al-Khattab, he asks the Quraysh, who is the person who spreads secrets the most amongst you? And they said, oh, there's a guy who is well known for that. He can't keep any secret. His name is Jamil ibn Mu'ammir. So Umar ibn Khattab says, okay. He finds Jamil and Jamil is sitting there by the Kaaba with a group 
And the son of Umar bin al-Khattab, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he narrates this story. He said, I saw my father with my own eyes. I saw my father go to Jamil ibn Mu'ammir and say to him, Oh Jamil, do you know the news? And Jamil says, what is it? He says, I have become a Muslim. And then Jamil didn't even ask him any question. He didn't even try to get any explanation. Immediately he got up so that he could go and tell everybody. Didn't even ask for an explanation. And this was the intention of Umar ibn al-Khattab so that it would be well known. Everybody would know, yes, I am Umar ibn al-Khattab and I am a Muslim. This was the bravery and the courage and the confidence of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. So of course, the news spread after he told Jamil, the news spread like wildfire that Umar ibn al-Khattab has become a Muslim. So the Quraysh, they surrounded him and they started to fight with him physically. But as we mentioned, Umar ibn al-Khattab, he was a strong, big man. So he was able to hold off those people. Many of them around him and he's one man and he's fighting all of them. And it lasted for a long time. And then Umar radiallahu anhu, he started to get tired. He didn't want to continue this fighting. So he decided to think of a way to end this fighting quickly. So he looked amongst those people who were beating him and fighting him. Who is the one who is the most respected amongst them, that the Quraysh respect the most? And he found Utbah ibn Rabi'ah, who was uh, one of the leaders and one of the most respected people of the Quraysh. So he found Utbah ibn Rabi'ah, he took him and he put him down on the ground and he sat on him and he put his fingers in his eyes. So Umar ibn Khattab, big man, sitting on Utbah ibn Rabi'ah and putting his fingers, poking his eyes with his fingers. And he tells Utbah ibn Rabi'ah, call them off, tell them to disperse, tell them to get away from me or I will poke your eyes until you are blind. So Utbah says, okay, get away from him, get away from him, stop it. So they, they get scared and they move away from Umar ibn Khattab. Then Umar, he lets Utbah go. As soon as Utbah is a little bit away, is out of reach of Umar, they jump on him again, start fighting him again. And he does the same thing again. He finds another person who is respected amongst the Quraysh. He takes them, puts them on the ground, sits on him and starts poking his eye and tells this person, call them off or you will become blind. So they call it off. And in this way, Umar ibn al-Khattab was able to get these people of the Quraysh who were trying to fight him, who were trying to harm him, who were trying to beat him, he gets them away. So this was the confidence and the courage of Umar ibn al-Khattab And as we mentioned up to this point, the da'wah of Islam was still in a secretive stage because of the harm that the kuffar were dishing out to the Muslims. But now Umar ibn al-Khattab is a Muslim. This is something big for Islam. So Umar ibn al-Khattab he goes to the Prophet himself and he says, Ya Rasulullah, Alasna bil mu'mineen. Aren't we the believers, Ya Rasulullah? The Prophet said, Bala, yes. Then he said, Alaysu bil kafirin. Aren't they the disbelievers? The Prophet said, Bala, yes. Then Umar al Khattab says, Alasna ala al haqqi wa hum ala al batil. Aren't we on the truth and they are on falsehood? And the Prophet said, Bala, yes. And then Umar al Khattab asks him, So why do we have to hide our religion? We are on the right path. We don't need to keep our religion a secret. Why can't we openly show our Islam? And then the Prophet said, Because the Quraysh, they are harming us, they are torturing the people who accept Islam. And then Umar bin Khattab said, Ya Rasulullah, now our numbers, they have become somewhat significant at least. There were 40 Muslims at that time from the people who were not slaves, not including the slaves because they were weak, but from the free people who had become Muslims, there were 40 men at that time, 40 men. And then there were also women, there were slaves, there were others, right? But 40 free men who were Muslims. So Umar ibn Khattab said 40, it's a, it's a pretty significant number. And the Prophet said, yes, you're right. He agreed with him. He said, okay, it's time. It's time that we make this call public now. Now we're not going to hide our Islam anymore. Of course, the Prophet himself was never hiding his Islam. And the, the main companions who were with him, they were also 
publicly Muslims. But of course, as we mentioned, there were some who were still hiding it because of the fear of persecution from the Quraysh. But the Prophet said, okay, now we have the strength to go public, to end this secret stage. So the Prophet organized two lines of people, two lines. We said there were 40 people, 40 of these free men who were Muslims. The Prophet divided them into two lines, 20, 20. At the head of the first line, in the front of the first line, Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. And at the front of the second line, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu And in the middle between those two lines, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself. Imagine this, just think about it. Two lines, one with Hamza in the front, one with Umar in the front, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the middle between these lines. And they went out into the streets of Mecca openly. Proclaiming Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. They went around Mecca, around the streets of Mecca, the Quraysh, they came out of their houses. What's going on? The Muslims now have no fear. And the da'wah has now officially moved from a stage of secrecy to a stage of publicity. And that was due to the conversion of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala moved the stage of the da'wah from secret to public through the Islam of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. So this is a great honor and a great blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And, and truly he is a man through whom which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really, really showed the greatness of Islam. Throughout the life of the Prophet ﷺ and even after that. So now the da'wah is completely public and Islam has been strengthened by the permission of Allah through the Islam of Umar ibn al-Khattab. Inshallah, next week we will continue with the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.